just just uh, indulge me on this. So you've walked out at Wembley wearing a Man United shirt, and that must, you know, as a player, and then the pinnacle of playing in an England shirt, if your chest will be about a little bit sticking out a little bit more. But to to lead the lead a, a club side out at Wembley, can you, can you remember it's the, the, triangle, the difference? Really, yeah, it really is, and that's the thing. You've, you've done everything really. Um, how, how does that feel? Because I imagine coming out for the first time in a Man United shirt, you've got butterflies, especially with an England shirt on. You just look so calm that day. In fact, you look calm most of the time. Yeah. Were you jumping around inside or you oh, just no, no. focus? You know, the, the real achievement was actually getting there. Yeah. You know, you think 9-0 against Liverpool yeah. early on yeah. in the season. Yeah. And then yeah. it's a not just for the cup, but transfer our, our, transform our league form into, yeah. you know, a fighting outfit. And, uh, you know, the signings we made had all been good. And that was a reward for all the work we'd done in preparation. Um, and to get it going the way we did and, you know, everything about it was it, it was good. You know, I say to you, I'm not superstitious, but obviously in that final, I changed the gear. Yeah. Um, to the so, gear that so I was here right last Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Why Let me come back to my question then. I want Steve to answer this question about the replay and Wrighty's selection. Any regrets on that one? Now, I wished I'd played him in the replay. But it would have meant a total change in style and shape and how we were going to play. And to be honest, even now looking back, I wish I'd have played him. But I think they'd have beaten us more convincingly because it, it would have become then a game of you have a goal, we have a goal. Yeah. Right. And, you know, we would have had to play a flat back four instead of a man for man three. Mm. It would have been, I don't know, you never know these things. But looking back now, I wish I'd had the bottle to say, right, sod it, let's just go for it and uh, throw Ian on. So, yeah, it, looking back, I wish I had. But would the outcome have been different? I don't know. Let's go on to Ian. We'll talk about Ian Wright, okay? Talk to us about when he left the club. Uh, how did that come about? Well, the, the thread of the whole sort of scenario, you've got to go back, I think, to the year we got promoted. Because the year we got promoted, we beat, obviously, Blackburn in the playoffs. and. The October, I think it was, of that season, there was an awful lot of speculation about Ian Wright. Yeah. <clears throat> and in the October, we had a sit-down with Ian and his agent, myself and Ron, and we knew how important he was to us. So we had a conversation with him, and he felt that there wasn't a debt for... He felt a real strong connection, obviously, with Palace. We'd given him his chance. He wanted to give us, you know, an extended chance with him, as it were. A lot of speculation in the October that clubs were queuing up to buy him. We wanted to extend his contract. And bear in mind, this was before Bosman. So at that time... If you offered a player as least favourable terms, you could keep him. 
but we didn't want to keep him on that those terms. We wanted him to be happy to stay there. We had a great conversation with Ian, and he, he said, listen, this year, and I think at the time we negotiated the deal, we were 12th in the league. So it's not as if we were second or third. We were 12th and not really flying. And he made a commitment then. He said, oh, you know, I'll give you this year. We'll go for it. We'll get flat out. And he was saying, we'll get promoted. You know, we'll do it. And we were just happy that he would commit to extend to a contract. The next year was like, a, after the cup final, it was like a dream year. Pre-season, we were great. And that just flowed into the main season. So me and Branny, after games, we'd win teams, beat teams at home. And we beat them easily, you know, two, three nils. We were going really well. And, you know, we'd have a shower after games and we'd just look at each other and think, there's something special here. We're going, you know, we are flying. And we just, Ian's very, very pragmatic, down to earth. And, you know, he'd say, well, you know, football is a strange way of kicking you in the teeth. But this is going really good. And we are good. And we were good. We were a strong, powerful team with skill. Season finished. We finished third. And it was at the end of that season that Ian started making noises that we had the, the blow about maybe not getting into Europe or getting into Europe. And that was, I think, the signal for everyone that we had reached the glass ceiling. And, you know, we owed it to Ian to do the right thing by him as well because yeah. he'd done the right thing by us. And when when he made these, you know, statements, you know, he felt as if he had to move. He, he wasn't kicking up a stink. It was just a matter of fact, you know, I feel as if I've got to move on to fulfil my footballing ambitions. And we were like upstarts at that time, you know. We were, we were, were trying to break into a party that we didn't have a right to get an invite for. Sure. And, you know... We wanted to do right by him because he'd done right by us. So who knows what might have happened. But him going was a signal that there had to be significant changes all around. £2.4 million, I remember it well. Well, again, and in fairness, he went on to be a record club scorer. Legend. Exactly. exactly. But his, his, mate, his best mate, Rocky, was at the club then. Yeah. I know he didn't stay there for very much longer after. I think he yeah. left for Leeds, didn't he? Yeah. By Rowcastle, rest his soul. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, again, it was like mutual respect, I would say. You know, Ron loved him to bits. You know, we we got him great. You know, the, the lads in the dressing room were not happy with him leaving, but they understood yeah. And he clearly had a superb respect for you and Brighty because yeah. obviously yeah. he, he knew how, how important Brighty was for him. Yeah. But, yeah, there's a particular picture Nigel put up a minute ago of the three of you together. And there's absolute love and affection. And yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, I think one of the, the great things in football, you know, and I, I did it with Tommy Doherty, I do it with, you know, all the managers I've ever worked for. If I saw them now, and call them boss. Because mm. that's that's the ultimate respect, I think. And, you know, Brighty calls me boss man, and when I see him, you know, it's boss. And that, 
you know, that connection is, you know, is always there, always there. Tell me about the year that we finished third in the league and we could have gone into Europe. Well, and didn't. again, really, that was just one of those seasons where whatever we did didn't turn to gold, but we had a, a formula of playing, we had a style of playing which was just effective. And we had good players to implement that style. You know, I very often say, you know, success in football is easy. If you've got the most money, you buy the best players and you've got the best team. Yeah. And if you don't have the most money and you don't have the best players, then you've got to try and create the best team. We had square pegs and square holes. And everyone knew what we were doing at that stage. Playing to what I would refer back to as our formula and the players getting better and more proficient. Yeah. And the, the additions we brought in, Eric Young and you know, people like this, he was you know sensational at that time. Him and Andy Thorne, mm. you know, great combination, goalkeeper, massive. How, how disappointed, Steve, were you and the club that we didn't qualify for Europe? What was was the European qualification there as a as a goal for everyone, especially towards the end of the season? And how disappointed was everyone that that we we didn't qualify? I, I don't think it was an issue. You know, finishing third was the achievement. Absolutely. You know that was magnificent, and I, I think obviously after Hazel. And then the sort of backtracking on um, the possibility of playing Europe, it was almost like something was being offered that wasn't really there. Okay. And then when it went, you know, back to Liverpool, it was, we handled it okay. I think we did okay. As I say, the, 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 the killer for us was then Ian saying, and it's not direct and blame towards Ian, but for him to feel as if he had to go elsewhere after we'd finished third mm. to achieve his ambitions, that was, you know, a signal to everybody that we touched that glass ceiling. Yeah. yeah. Did you understand about the Palace-Brighton rivalry early days? Or was no, early like... days, no, definitely not. And even now, you know, you, you have to say it's difficult to understand. It's a bizarre one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But it's there and it's full frontal, so you may as well just accept it. But yeah, I remember, um, I think you talked about some of those early games. I remember 86, it was Boxing Day, I think. And I took my father-in-law along to the game and he was a big football fan, but he didn't go very often. He was a real gentleman and he couldn't believe the language that was coming out of the players and the rivalry and the yeah. atmosphere. It, we sat just behind the dugout. I'll never forget that day. Uh, I can't remember the result of mine, but, uh, but there we are. Um, when you went, when you got the Brighton job, how easy is it or difficult was it for you to take that given your association with Palace and your knowledge of the rivalry, Steve? Well, again, it's part of a sequence of events, really. I'd, I'd been working um, at Brentford. I had a great year at Brentford. Very, very enjoyable. I had a good team. We got to the playoff final, unfortunately beaten at Cardiff by Stoke. Um, I'd said to Ron I'd do it for one year. He was Brentford, yeah. Brentford then, of course. 
Um, he had been manager. I think he, he got fed up with it. And uh, he brought me in. But I had a good team. I had some really good players at Brentford. We had a good year. And then and I got a phone call from Athol Still, who's an agent, most famously for Sven Gordon Eriksson. Right. He phoned me up. And I think it was like 11 games into the next season. Mm. Well, it must have been October or something like that. Mm. And he said, uh, would you be interested in taking the Brighton job? And I said, well, uh, I probably would because I couldn't see anything else on the horizon. Brighton is not too far from where I lived. So I thought, well, it's, it's going to be convenient. At the time... I think after 11 games, Brighton had four points. They were bottom of the table. Hey. So, <laughs> <laughs> But I think my first game or second, second game, it must have been, was playing at Palace. And then we got beat 5-0. Yeah. Andy and Johnson, perfect hat trick. Well, all the Palace fans were thinking, oh, that's why he's done it. He's done it. <laughs> sabotage. You know, I like, couple. I couple. <laughs> Deliberate sabotage. And, uh, yeah. Which obviously it wasn't. And we, uh, we tried. I was one of the few people who actually liked going to the Goldstone ground. And nobody else liked it. I thought it was a, a terrific place. Uh, I could imagine other clubs turning up at this sort of running track come make-believe football stadium and, and being what we do in here. And we use that to our advantage. And again, uh, I had words with Dick Knight, the chairman, and I, I said to him, well, I'll stay on if you let me sign a one-year contract. And I signed a, another one-year contract. And... Again, round about October, November, something like that. We were top of the league. And I, I thought, and comfortably top of the league, I thought we were going to win promotion. And I was I quite enjoyed working at Brighton. I liked the Goldstone ground, as I said. The training ground was a farmer where the stadium is now at the university. It was a good, good facilities. And, you know, I enjoyed going there. I must admit, people who... You know, that club had been in so much turmoil. And you, you find this, when things go wrong, you find out the calibre of the people who work for you. So the people who worked for Brighton at that time had real backbone. They were doing it because they cared about their club. Yeah. So um, can one player make a team? Bearing in mind that you had Wrighty, who nah. seemed all important, right? And then Wilf, nowadays, seemed all important. No, so that's a no. One, one player can't make a team. Uh, a team can make one player. That's perfect. And if you well, if you don't have the team, then you know you're struggling. You know, at some stage, you know, in every game, there's going to be moments where you need something more than skills. Yeah. You need something more than organization. You need something deep within certain players in certain parts of the pitch that yeah. carry you through those moments. Okay. The, the huge United connections that you have right the way through, through your life, really. Um, you ever share a glass of red with Sir Alex? I guess. If, if 
funny story. Um, going back to when Reading got promotion, um, at the time, it was full of Jose Mourinho and Alex when they played each other. Yeah. Would treat each other to a special bottle yeah, yeah, of red wine right. after the game, you know, and it, it, they were trying to outdo each other with the quality of this red wine. So when uh, Reading got promotion, we uh, the fixtures came out, and I, I think our first two home fixtures were Chelsea and Manchester United. <laughs> of course, they were. So <clears throat> that summer, I got my staff together. I said, "Right, the search is on." And they're looking at me. I said, I want us, between the staff, the coaches, physios, every old kit man, I says, across the summer, we have got to find the worst bottle of <laughs> But it had to have a cork. <laughs> could give it away. If you went to a ceramic screw top. So, ironically, the first game was when uh, Petr Cech got the head injury. Yeah, yeah. So after yeah. that, Jose never came in. Jose, brilliant. He always used to come in. Whenever I played against him, he'd come in. And, and you know, I always found him fascinating company. But second game, Sir Alex, we played Man United. I think we drew as well. So afterwards, you know, I, I'd said to him beforehand, I said, listen, Sir Alex, I said, hope you don't mind, but my staff are going to come in. You know, after the game, when we have a drink, you know, they're obviously going to hang on your every word. Is that okay? He said, yeah, no problem. He's very, very generous to other managers. So we get in after the, the game, and we've got this, you know, Zimbabwean <laughs> Aldi Red. Toilet water. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so we make a great play of going, Sir Alex, I think you're going to enjoy this. <laughs> You put this corkscrew in, and thankfully it made a. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would have been another giveaway of it. <laughs> so it's one of those. Uh, have a little bit of that, Sir Alex. <laughs> and being the polite man and gentleman that he is, you could see him almost grimace <laughs> on, the, on the first taste. Thanks, Trevor. But. He managed to swill half a glass down, and as soon as he got half down, we were going top up. Did you ever tell him? Did you ever tell him it was no, no. <laughs> Well, you say that uh, Jose Mourinho has been fascinating, but nothing as fascinating as this. You've actually closed the circle because you started off talking about Tramier Rovers. And we've just finished off on top. Before you go, about I'm, fifty questions. There. We've got we've got dozens of questions we have. Before you go, have you got a message, a Christmas message, a Christmas message to the Palace fans? Well, you know, I think every Palace fan would know. I would only ever wish, you know, the very best of everything uh, to the club. It's been a huge part of my life. As I'm getting older, when I was sort of. Uh, late 50s, 60, I always used to say that I'd spent a quarter of my life at Crystal Palace, but now I'm getting older, the percentages are going down. <laughs> you know, it's still, you know, massive, massive part of my life. Um, you know, it's it's been a fabulous journey I've had with the club, hopefully still ongoing. I'm, I'm always welcome there, I know I am. Uh, I haven't been this year yet, but I will be. Um, but to every Palace fan... Um, I wish you health. I wish you uh, success with the team. And I know you'll enjoy the ride. As Palace fans, 
only can enjoy the ride. So uh, Merry Christmas, everybody, and I hope to see you very, very shortly. All the best. Thank you.